You're not stupid. You're just in Congress. Send them money. You can start with the roads, move on to the schools, factories. Yes, now it's a party. Restock the sheep herds. Hey, give them jobs. I'm give trying. them hope. I'm trying. Yeah, well, try I'm, harder. I'm fine for every dollar. Yeah, yeah. I took you from five million to a billion. I broke the ice on the sting in the Milan. I got a Democratic Congress in lockstep behind a Republican president. Well, well that's not good enough, because I'm going to hand you a code word classified NIE right now, and it's going to tell you that the crazies have started rolling into Kandahar like it's a fucking bathtub drain. Jesus, Gus, you could depress a bride on your wedding day. Hey. Listen to what I'm telling you. Welcome back to this bonus episode of Trash Future, that podcast you are listening to at the moment. Uh, hey, wherever you are in your house, I hope you're having a good time. Unless you're not in your house and you're an essential worker, in which case, I hope you're having a safe time. Uh, <laughs> it's me, Riley. I'm coming at you from my girlfriend's family's basement. Uh, and I'm joined by... Uh, I have a flat. I'm just choosing to self-isolate. Riley and my, his Austrian girlfriend. <laughs> I, ha- I have my own flat. I'm just choosing to self-isolate in my girlfriend's place because I don't want to be without her for several weeks. The, the, um, the podcaster is like drawn to the basement level. Yeah, you just a, like, exactly. switch one for the other. <laughs> it's a podcaster type of place. Uh, mm. And I'm joined, of course, by Nate. Hi, it's me, Nate. I am in self-isolation. Well sort of isolation with my wife in Peckham, uh, enjoying this interminable day that then turns to night and then day again in which nothing basically changes, but we still make content. Mm-hmm. So solidarity, everybody out there who has to work, uh, I respect you greatly. Uh, unfortunately, our jobs are non-essential. So we just work away in the podcast minds. I don't have a basement. Otherwise, I'd be <laughs> in it because ultimately... Ultimately, the only thing that a person who does podcasts and who vapes all day can do is go below the level of the sun so that they can just wither away and get more and more alabaster as time goes yes, on. Yes, yes, that's it. We all, mm. We're all blindsight vampires with the crucifix glitch. Uh, we're also <laughs> joined by Alice, who sounds like she's coming to us from the first floor of a building in Glasgow. Yeah, I know, right? Like, I, I should be, spiritually, I should be in, like, a spider hole, like Saddam Hussein or Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, but instead, I am, like, like on Robert the- the Bruce. Yeah, but instead, I'm on the first floor of a fucking, like, yellow brick Glaswegian Khrushchevka. Uh, <laughs> nice. That's it. That's right. Yeah. And uh, coming at us from- Glaswegian Khrushchev. Coming at us now, no longer in his girlfriend's parents' house, but in, I believe, his parents' house. It's Milo. Yeah, it's me. Hello. Um, I yeah. My, so my my girlfriend is at her parents' house still, and I offered to go and get her and bring her here, and she was like, "Nah, actually, I don't really miss you yet, so it's fine." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> she keeps cool, cool. owning cool. you so effortlessly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. She's just she's just doing fucking yoga videos all day long, <laughs> yeah, and she seems to be loving it. My, so. my, my girlfriend <laughs> loves them. Um. Hmm. And also, we are joined by uh, Seamus Malikavzeli, returning champion, uh, here to talk to us from America. Uh, Seamus, how's America? How's Washington? Uh, how's, or is well, it Oregon? No, it's it's, it's in Oregon. Um, so uh, when I when we last when I was last on this program, this great program, um, I was in Beirut, Lebanon. It's a very nice city. I I, I miss it dearly. Um, and then there was the whole thing that happened. 
and mm. um, I was kicked out of the dorms, and I was forced to flee the country, and now I am in my childhood bedroom, uh, in which I am locked in for the next three days and not allowed to leave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you got to get those podcasts out. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah. <laughs> this is yeah, this I mean, is probably like the most anticlimactic way anyone has ever had to flee Lebanon. Yeah, yeah. Just being like, <laughs> uh, y- yeah there, I had a, I, you know, there's a there's a cold going around, so I had to flee the country. <laughs> but if, but Seamus, if you're stuck in your bedroom for three days, how are you going to link up with the local Oregon chapter of Hamas? Oh, oh. <laughs> we we have we have our, we have our methods. We have our methods. Yeah, I, and coming at us from. From, coming at us from Marjayoun, Oregon. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of people say that Eugene, Oregon is the southern Lebanon of the United States in a lot of different ways. I mean, look, I just, they make a similar quality piece. I mean, if I was going to say, if you're if you're a, if you're a white nationalist, the Willamette Valley and the Bacaw Valley are basically well, and, I mean, forming, right, forming a right. Christian phalangist militia in Yakima. <laughs> and good Pinot Noirs in both. <laughs> Good Pinot Noirs hey, in both. God damn it. I'm not wrong. I'm literally uh, not wrong. He's not, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Uh, I've, mi- I've missed you, Riley. Before we started recording, uh, somebody, I think it was Milo, said that Charlie Wilson is just uh, Riley if he was a congressman. And that was the most <laughs> brutal own I've ever heard. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, everything, it just like, yeah, well, I'm going to give my takes on Charlie Wilson later, but I just, yeah. What a man. What a guy. Mm. Hey, you know what? That's our summary of this of this film, Charlie Wilson's War, directed by Mark Ni- Mar- Mark Nichols and written by <laughs> everyone's favorite dullard, Amer- American American Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin. That's right. Amer- American girl Sorkin. <laughs> to the tune of the Guess Who's hit song, American Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away That's from right. me. That's right. <laughs> Yes, exactly. that's right. It is a movie episode uh, because current events are depressing. So we... Mm. I was just thinking of a horrible crossover of what if Aaron Sorkin had a kid, but it was the kid from Where the Heart Is. So it was America Sorkin. <laughs> and the kid was born in Walmart, like in Where the Heart Is. That's right. Come on, surely you know this. I, 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 I love this. It's a fucking stupid movie about the kid who was born in Walmart based on the stupid book. It was like this weird automatic thing. I was born in 1999. I don't know what this what this film is. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. Are you, you, this I is no illegal. Did you not know that I was only 20 years old? Jesus Christ, we have to, no, we have to like, get together Jesus. and beat Shamus with shoes now. I'm, how, is this, how is this the response of every single person that someone wants to beat me up? <laughs> yeah. And somehow I'm better at Fortnite than him. Oh, uh, look. Probably, probably. Yeah, look. Just, just, just getting that in some, uh, at any cost. Yes, at any cost. <laughs> no, taking control of the podcast again at any cost to bring us on to our topic... Aaron Sorkin's 2007 masterpiece, Charlie Wilson's War, a movie all about uh, how uh, uh, bureaucratic and procedural trickery by a well-meaning, if smug and cocaine-addled Democratic congressman was able to save the world temporarily. Mm. Ironically, you could retitle the film Wilson's Charlie War, and it would still be a very appropriate one. (laughs) (laughs) A strong contender for an episode, early contender for an episode title there. So, um, quick summary of Charlie Wilson's war. Um, Basically, Charlie Wilson 
is a layabout, uh, hedonistic, uh, sort of self-aggrandizing, but not too serious, uh, Democratic congressman from Texas, one of the old Southern Democrats. And he basically was inspired by a combination of horniness and a desire to save the world to increase the CIA's black ops budget in Afghanistan in the 1980s from like $5 million to a billion dollars and more or less ramped up the U.S. effort to get the Soviets out of there. We're going to go through it plot point by plot point. It was mostly because of horniness and that is why I respect him. Yes, it was mainly because he wanted to fuck. But we're going to get through it. This movie is intended to be a satire. It's intended really? to be a comedy. Yeah. It's in- but the comedy <laughs> is intended to be at the expense of, like, evangelical right-wing hypocrisy. Um, okay. If so, it's very gentle. Yeah. Because it, it's supposed I mean, to Aaron be... Aaron Sorkin is not a subtle man. Let's, let's, let's be clear about no. this. No. Flo's not familiar no, with this work. True. No. Indeed. <laughs> so, um... The way to th- so don't forget while we're going through this, don't forget this is intended to be kind of a fun comedy movie about um about the ridiculousness of U.S. bureaucracy and the stupidity of uh, small town right wingers who are like a fa- who I mean the show Tiger King has shown us these people are a fantasy they are not the people Aaron Sorkin dreams them of being but we'll no, get to that. But this is the thing a- Aaron Sorkin wanted to make wag the dog but also there is a serious gas leak in his house (laughs) and so he just gets dumber every passing minute Well, it's like how right when right wingers try to do comedy they get so mad they can't get through the premise when aaron sorkin tries to do comedy he gets too proud of the what america could be (laughs) that he has to do a three-minute speech yes so i'm gonna start off with some quotes about the movie then we're gonna get into the movie so This is from uh, Steve Cole's Ghost Wars. This is about Wilson. He had few Afghan contacts and knew very little about Afghan history or culture. He saw the Mujahideen through the prism of his own whiskey-soaked romanticism as noble savages fighting for freedom, almost biblical. Wilson used his trips to the Afghan frontier in part to impress upon a succession of girlfriends how powerful he was. Awesome. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Like, we, we, we'll get into this, but like, the, the overwhelming vibe that I got from watching this movie was that it felt like being a cop and getting a taunting letter from a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like a, a crayon written thing that said, Mr. Police, I gave you all the clues, right? <laughs> No, no, I mean, like, I, I, like, it's a bad, it's a bad film, but like, my overwhelming impression of it was just like how fun Charlie Wilson would have been to hang out with. <laughs> like, I've just never, I've just never seen a film that just so relentlessly emphasizes a politician's complete lack of commitment to any form of politics other than just like fucking <laughs> and doing coke <laughs> and drinking as much as possible as early as possible in the day <laughs> the whole thing is like oh baby do you want to fuck a guy who started a war in Afghanistan <laughs> like, it, it rules it's so good well, think of like think of the kind of movie that like the Safdie brothers or the Cohen brothers could have made about Charlie Wilson yeah well this is the thing it is like fuck it, it is uncut gems but like 
it's with a guy who, you know the meme, where like the guy's looking at the Fallout Power Armor thing and the point goes literally over his head? Yeah. It's like that. It's like Aaron Sorkin is looking at a Safdie Brothers plotline and is just like, wow, cool America. Well, also, it's like, it's like I, I, I yeah. think of Charlie Wilson, from, from that quote about, um, he had few Afghan contacts and he saw the Mujahideen like, you know, in, in these like noble savages ways. Like, we're basically like, he's like, he's like American foreign policy, uh, liberal interventionist Joe Exotic. Uh, where, he's, mm. where, he's, uh. where he's just, he's obsessed with just continuing to go to Afghanistan to feel alive and be in control of this thing and impress people he wants to sleep with. So the, I, I do have a story, by the way, before uh, we, we get into this. I was going to drop this later, but in a book called uh, In the Graveyard of Empires about Afghanistan, there is an exquisitely well-sourced story about one of Charlie Wilson's trips to Afghanistan where uh, Golbuddin Hekmatya, uh, remember that name, he'll come up later, uh, the guy who's like bringing him to Afghanistan, oh, he, Charlie Wilson wants to shoot down a helicopter so badly that Hekmatya has his guys like drive a pickup truck dragging chains back and forth on a road for an hour trying to throw up enough dust to make the Soviets come and shoot at it so that Charlie Wilson can shoot down the helicopter and the Soviets just don't bother and he has to go home like that's remember failing to get his nut off and you're Aaron Sorkin and you don't write that into your movie no so let, but let's no. let's keep all that in mind and now let's do a second quote about the movie before we get into the plot itself. This is from Michael Johns, the former president of policy analysis at the Heritage Foundation and a Bush speechwriter. He said the film was, quote, A Bush speechwriter? I'm sorry. That should not be a profession. <laughs> like, you cannot, you would not be putting that on your CV. Oh, yeah, you know the awesome speeches that George W. Bush made? Hey, yeah, that was me. Hey, a lot of Never Trump Republicans love him. So uh, the, the, he praised the film as the first mass appeal effort to reflect the most important lesson from America's Cold War victory, that the Reagan-led effort to support freedom fighters resisting Soviet oppression led successfully to the first major military defeat of the Soviet Union. Sending and nothing bad happened yeah. after that. So just, no. ju so just uh, in, in your mind, hold in tension those previous two quotes that was we go through this story. The first one about the story that could have been told about Charlie Wilson, a drunk psychopath who's just obsessed with like a romantic story about himself wanting to shoot down a helicopter, and the movie that was actually made, which was all about like pleasing moderate inter but interventionist Republicans. Yeah, like the thing we, is, we are like, Aaron Sorkin, folks. We are all yeah, Charlie in the Wilson truck. is just a cool guy who shouldn't have been a politician. That's true. He should have had a podcast, and it would have been a good podcast. Seamus, <laughs> mm. well, before we, but what are, what are your thoughts on this contrast? Before we jump into the content of the movie itself, God, I, 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 I just want to establish. I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn or brag or anything, but I studied early um, jihadist. Uh, conflicts that that's that's kind of my forte that's i watch a bunch of the early film from that era i've met people who have fought in those the, old NFL yeah, the old nfl <laughs> um i've met people who have fought in the war at that time on the side of the mujahideen um i've i the, i know i've read a lot about this i've read perspectives from the mujahideen themselves i have never i alice i was talking to alice last night about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we both had to vent. We, we, we both had to vent about this. 
Uh, she told me, like, was this film made by Al-Qaeda? And <laughs> I, 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 I said to her, no, Al-Qaeda would, <laughs> would not have made this kind of film. Because, um, it, like, I, I really need to establish this, this and this, I, this is purposely meant to knock Aaron Sorkin. I, th- this, this film is way more nihilistic and idealistic <laughs> than the film that Al-Qaeda would have made about the war in Afghanistan. There is, like, it is incredible to me how I watched this film, and I expected this film based on the pacing, which I'll get into the pacing of this awful, but I expected mm. this film to be, like, three hours long or two and a half hours long because it was kind of ramping up, and I thought the last half of the film would be about how the war proceeded after the 1980s where he's securing the funding. But the last three minutes, and I timed this to the second, the last three minutes and 20 seconds of this film is all we get about the jihadists who were involved, who were, who were the primary people in this war. There was no... I know, it's so weird. Oh my God. I don't, and, get- and, and also, I want, I want, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but Charlie Wilson was not ignorant of the fact that jihadists were in this war, he was stupid and he didn't know what he was talking about, but he was not ignorant of the fact. He was confronted about the fact that there were jihadists fighting in this war many times on mm. camera. And, <laughs> and, and, and on camera, I am not, I'm not kidding you. The answer that he gave was that um, the majority of Afghans aren't Shia, and the radical Shias are in Iran, so I don't have oh. any expectation mm. that the that the Mujahideen are going to be radical anti-Westerners. Awesome. I, I, huh. I, I can't. This film does not correspond to any reality. Like but, but, uh, we have a few of details like that we can pick out about this, yeah. but I just feel strongly that we are in Golmadin Hekmatyar's truck. Driving up and down a dirt road, dragging some chains around, trying to throw that's that's the project that we're engaged in here. That's the level of stupidity. Well, well, is God. <sighs> here's the thing, here's the thing. You yeah. say it doesn't correspond to reality, and you're right in one sense, but you're wrong in another, because it corresponds to the reality of the story that Aaron Sorkin and like uh brain dead libs tell about America, which is this um Everything that's ever gone bad has been by accident or we've been sucked into wars. Everything we've ever done on purpose has been noble. Um, we're ultimately led by smart, dedicated people. And that it, it ultimately, it's smart people who know the rules and are willing to put in the work and have that, and have that charisma are able to like get us what we need. And it is Aaron Sorkin's inability to fundamentally to look critically at his heroes, at his heroes being the idea of America or whatever, or a stirring speech, and we'll get into several of those which occur in this alleged comedy film. Mm. But that this is less of a document of history, of which it's abysmally bad, and more of a document of a certain kind of revisionist psychosis that lives in vote blue no matter who America. Oh yeah, it it is history, but it's history of the two thousand shit lib. Yeah. Uh, which is, I, I guess, what, you, what this is the recurring theme of movie club 
that we're doing is that you get Seamus on and then you torture us and him <laughs> by making us like delve deep into the psyche of the war liberal. Uh, where we can just be so gosh darn smart about. There's a bit in this where Charlie Wilson, we're like, we know he's smart because he's reading news off the ticker because he loves the goddamn news. And he draws news uncut. He's getting pure uncut news today and not tomorrow. Yeah. That makes me a day ahead but of you. But that's not the bit, though. The bit is that his assistant is like, uh, is that Uzbekistan? And then he draws a little map with his finger in the air. Oh my god. And he names, he, like, he's and got he goes, the geography quiz. Like, yeah, he, he, he yeah. He is a very special boy, and he gets a big gold star for going <laughs> Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, <laughs> India. And it's like, yeah, cool. Cool, awesome, thank uh, you. I, I want to point something out really fast just before you get into the plot, because that, that, I remember that point, and it struck with me. Uzbekistan is a Soviet SSR yeah, at this yeah. point. It's, <laughs> it's not, not its, its own, own country. country. But Aaron Sorkin didn't mm. look it up when he wrote it. He didn't look it up. Like, Amazing. <laughs> The man is trapped in a mind palace. Oh anyway, my God. the internet existed when he wrote this movie. So, the so, internet so, existed. You could have looked. Wikipedia existed. However, we, what we, I love about Charlie Wilson reading news off the ticker, though, is that he's just a poster, right? That's just the Twitter mm, of his day. Like, he has to be in touch with every development. Like, who's getting cancelled? What war is going <laughs> on? Where? Reading he this needs off to the know. ticker. This motherfucker eating beans. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. He's just like writing <laughs> okay. yikes next to a news item. We begin. So the be the beginning speech of this movie is by a CIA guy, and the most Aaron Sorkin thing ever is summarized in the first thirty seconds. So let's go. The CIA guy says the defeat and breakup of the Soviet Empire, culminating in the crumbling of the Berlin Wall, is one of the great events of world history. There were many heroes in this battle, but to Charlie Wilson must go this special recognition. Just 13 years ago, the Soviet army appeared to be invincible, but Charlie, undeterred, engineered a lethal body blow that weakened the communist empire. Without Charlie, history would be hugely and sadly different. And so, for the first time, a civilian is being given our highest recognition, that of honored colleague, ladies and gentlemen of the clandestine services, Congressman Charlie Wilson. And everyone applauds, and the film is a flashback. So yeah, and, the, uh, and the whole room claps. <laughs> so the film opens. Who keeps the metric system down? We do. Film, we do. The film opens with Aaron Sorkin writing his fantasy about being honored by the CIA, who are like the smart troops in the first <laughs> moments of the film, uh, because as we'll see, Charlie Wilson is an obvious stand-in for Aaron Sorkin himself the whole time but also also bill clinton is the thing right like aside from charlie wilson himself this idea of being like well gosh i'm i'm from the south but i'm a liberal and i'm pro choice and I, i'm politically incorrect maybe i do some blow is just like once again well, never i ne sure do like to fuck <laughs> <laughs> never ever getting over the clinton administration oh, right God. exactly so much psychosis oh, hey does anyone like in afghanistan want a pizza <laughs> uh. So, Seamus, you were saying? No, no, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm remembering the opening scene of this, and uh, like, it was. I, I admit this is this is embarrassing for me to admit, but I remember the opening scene of this, and that I remember the scene after this, which we'll discuss. Um, I thought this is a promising start. You know, it's establishing yeah. it's establishing Tom Hanks's character as a kind of uh, 
you know, a sleazy kind of guy, but he's got he's got a heart of gold, misplaced maybe in the real world, but he's got a heart of gold. So, um, yeah, <laughs> you, you think that this first scene is very ambivalent yeah, because yeah. You, you, as a as a person with a functioning brain, are like, oh, the CIA is very bad, and maybe just being honored by the CIA and given the big special boy medal, maybe he feels some kind of way about this, and we'll get into this in the movie. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 mm. no. They have they uh, have they have like the West Wing stock music behind him too. Uh, da, uh, da, uh, yeah. So the now my favorite part in that is that they say that the the collapse of the. Soviet Empire, which culminated with the fall of the Berlin Wall. Oh, well, hang on a minute. Surely it surely culminated with the collapse of the Soviet Union. Yeah, two it was years like years the wrong way around. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to go into the next scene. So that's the first scene. Now, it's a flashback from here when Charlie Wilson remembers the day that he, Aaron Sorkin, I mean, Charlie Wilson, became <laughs> an honorary CIA agent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Damn. Charlie w- they gave me a badge and everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he, a PB gun. He gets, he gets a little plastic badge, a BB gun, and his own spook hat. <laughs> he gets a newspaper with yeah. the eyes cut out of it. Uh, so he gets one of those invisible ink kits from the back of a joke magazine. Hmm. But like Elvis went to the Nixon White House and kind of just demanded to be made a federal agent. Um, and Nixon did it. There's a photo of like yeah. a really overweight, coked out Elvis getting like his badge from Nixon, it's great. Because Aaron Sorkin, was too, awesome. Aaron Sorkin was too much of a pussy to ever ask Clinton to do it for him. Uh, yeah. So let, let's, let's carry on. They start in a hot tub with a woman saying, I just re- I have this idea for a version of the, sh- of the drama Dallas, but set in Washington. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we had a drama set in Washington that showed all the ins and outs of Washington? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even realize that he was talking about the West Wing. I didn't even realize. God, he can't already. stop writing himself into the story. He, he can't, can't stop, stop mythologizing his own fucking life. I mean, and quite frankly, he's written himself into the character of like the balding, comb over, coked up guy who grasses to the FBI at the first fucking opportunity. So yeah. maybe he was just being honest. Yeah, that's maybe this thought. was radical self critique. That's, that's what I thought too. I thought, oh, he's being like, he's making fun of himself. And then I realized Aaron Sorkin does not have the inner life to support that. He just <laughs> thinks it's about a, like a, a guy who like is not him, who just yeah. loves cocaine. Uh, so. Basically, what happens is Charlie Wilson, his friend who's pitching the West Wing, and some strippers are hanging out in a hot tub in Vegas. But Charlie Wilson's he's not doing anything bad. He's being a he's being a good boy. Then he sees he's trying to watch the goddamn TV. Yeah, he sees Dan Rather exactly. on the TV wearing a turban in Afghanistan. It has a realization next to all the strippers uh, that the Soviet Union's attacked Afghanistan and that like the the like, Afghan resistance needs weapons or else Afghanistan will fall. And America will be next for some reason. Mm. Except that, like, so he is a congressman who's on the security committee and he reads the news ticker every day, but he's finding out that the Soviet Union has invaded Afghanistan from Dan Rather. Yeah, because he just loves news. He he, just loves consuming news. No, he reads that he's been too busy um, just talking to some strippers about where they're going to go to university, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. That rules, man. Uh, yeah, the, the strippers of Charlie Wilson then, like, get into a limo, go to the airport, and Charlie Wilson's like, ah, I can't do anything, mind you. Um, and that's... A, Again, Clinton shit. Yeah, of course. Again, well, this is the fantasy of what Clinton should have been. Mm. You know, he, yeah. he loves the intervention, but, like, you can hang out with strippers, but you can't do anything. 
You know, I'd no. love to stay and help, but I've got to go to a party on a private island. <laughs> um, yeah, that I feel like that's the thing that's aged the most poorly about this movie. Isn't even the war in Afghanistan. It is the love for Bill Clinton, which, as we now know, has taken a considerably darker turn. <laughs> so uh, we fl- we find uh, to- Tom Hanks's play- Tom Hanks's goof, sometimes goofy, sometimes very shrewd Charlie Wilson. Um, flying back in Washington, being asked by an aide to join Tip O'Neill's ethics committee, um, and uh, Milo, as you point out, sees this thing come in over the wire, takes a big hit of news, and then begins <laughs> to get gravely worried about Afghanistan. Uh oh, doing a huge but he line knows of the news where Afghanistan is, mm. which is very impressive. Yeah, he he he, and important. Yeah, he tell and and just like every Aaron Sorkin thing. He t- th- this strong, he intelligent man woman. tells a beautiful woman what the fuck is what. Oh, this is some kink shit in this movie, like fully. It was like sublimated yeah. in the West Wing. It's explicit his, in this. His assistant Amy Adams is constantly looking up at him adoringly with like I think computer enhanced eye size. She says she says yes sir to him in two consecutive lines, and those are her only lines in the fil- in the scene. I, I, I could I, uh, I could not believe that they didn't fuck during the movie. I was so convinced that, that, okay, there was going to be like some weird thing, sex. That's the thing about this. Amy Adams. Amy Adams is a fantastic actress. She has done mm. so many at the time of this at the time of this film was a highly respected actress who had done great roles, but Aaron Sorkin has put her in the role of the ditzy, uh, like nerd secretary, who do- who doesn't even get the time of Charlie Wilson that his other receptionists do. But it's Amy Adams. Like I, I isn't it, I, uh, I don't know. He's but not even the best actor that he squanders in this movie. Oh, but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we will I, get to that. Yeah, but oh, first, first, it's so gross. I want, I, I want to do the first big Aaron Sorkin set piece, which is that before he's able to do the big important stuff of the big high politics in Afghanistan, Charlie Wilson has to take a meeting from a man in his uh, in his constituency. A Christian Texas guy mm. who's complaining about the fact that the damn ACLU is suing a township in Wilson's constituency for displaying a nativity scene in front of City Hall. Oh, it's a no war house, on yeah. Christmas! Yeah, no war on Christmas. So, uh, yeah. So, but this is Sorkin's favorite thing: is imagining. <laughs> Imagining everyone who isn't a big city dinner party liberal as like a gun-toting redneck who wants to tattoo Jesus on like every available surface of skin in the country. Like, yeah, but also but as a like- really hot daughter that wants to <laughs> yeah. fuck Charlie Wilson. Mm, that's yeah. true. All liberated also, women liberate themselves by fucking Charlie Wilson. <laughs> in, in the middle, okay. There, I had to write this down because it was so gross, um, mm. and it hasn't as aged extremely poorly in the Me Too era. Um, the the big the Christian guy the uptight Christian guy is in the is in the is in the lobby. He's waiting for uh, Charlie Wilson, and he's talking to the receptionist. And he brings up the fact that all of the receptionists are very pretty, and they're all women. And the receptionist tells him, Congressman Wilson has an expression. He says, "You can't. Te- you can teach him how to type, but you can't teach him how to grow tits." I mean, oh, it's called estradiol, first of all. <laughs> you can. Yeah, but like, no, you, you're, you're totally right. There is, 
all all of the like politically incorrect affectionate stuff that like um it's again Ray Clinton-esque like like he's he's grabbing people's asses and he's like he's making like comments about blouses and stuff and it's supposed to be like oh that's just Charlie he's you know he's a good time he he likes chasing skirts and stuff is now like <laughs> extremely bad yeah it was bad well, to be fair then, to the too, character but... of Charlie Wilson himself in this he does seem to as far as I noticed only grab the asses of women that he is sleeping with that's true at the very but, least like, but again remember this is this is in an encomium to him so mm-hmm. who knows um but also <laughs> i'm going going back to this right like you can see aaron aaron sorkin's imagination of every single person who isn't an elite di- dinner party democrat is a gun-toting abortion hating rootin' tootin texas guy and you can see it in everything he's ever written which is yes, but, and but if we're talking but, about Texas, to be fair, they're, they're also like easily digestible. They're always like an issue of the week guy, right? Like, do you remember? Did you ever? Do you remember in Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip when one of the characters gets arrested by John Goodman playing a small town Christian sheriff to teach them a lesson about having a sketch called Crazy Christians on their SNL show? This is basically the same <laughs> character. <laughs> They do this exact plot point in the first episode of The West Wing. Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. God, Aaron. Aaron Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin has to set up what he's writing against. And what he's writing against is his view of what stupid people are like. And for him, stupid people are Republicans who aren't heritage foundation. Like, he, he, hates, he hates what he thinks of as Republicans. And he tries to satirize yeah, them a Republican in his movie, to him. In his movie yeah. that gets praised by a Bush speechwriter. Yeah, they, but that's the thing. The kind of Republican that Aaron Sorkin finds objectionable is the kind that talks about Jesus, but then doesn't do war. Mm. You have to do both. Yeah. And so Charlie Wilson, because he does an epic logic own, says, by the way, I love Jesus Christ and his mother Mary as much as anybody. About 36 churches you could move that crash to and everybody lives. Sorkin. <sighs> yeah, foreshadowing all the mass shootings to come. <laughs> mm. Um anyway, so I I I just I wanted to highlight that one scene as particularly Sorkin-y. Uh you know, owning a owning a big dumb Christian with logic and then banging his daughter. <laughs> oh yeah, Emily Emily Blunt, Jesus Christ. Uh, There's I'm so many good actresses in this movie, and then, but, and then also not to give away too much, but then shanghaiing her into your international relations scheme so she can belly dance for the Egyptian defense minister. Oh, was that Emily Blunt? I mean, yeah. was that her? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh. that really happened. Yes, too. that was oh, wow, her. Okay. That was the All point. Right. I mean, if it happened in real life, cool, it happened. Don't get me wrong, but in a way, I have this question. I I, I wonder to myself whether or not. The, the whole thing with her dad was, was kind of hammed up so it could establish Aaron Sorkin's basically his like, oh, look, the Republicans, they're all hypocrites. They might love Jesus, but their daughters are harlots. Oh, no. Like, it, 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 it was so unsubtle. Like, it's just, oh, God. I mean, Aaron Sorkin is not a man who knows subtlety, but I'd like to actually now move from this to like one of this film's few good elements. Uh, sorry, when I say few good elements, one good element which is we are introduced to Philip Seymour Hoffman, who plays yes! foul-mouthed CIA case yes! officer Gus Devaractos, going fucking 
ape shit on Roger Sterling uh, from Mad Men <laughs> as the CIA head honcho basically because his career is in the toilet. This scene is actually very fun. Yeah, once again, the, the two best actors that Aaron Sorkin wastes just have a scene to themselves, and it's delightful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman just basically, yeah, he plays Gustav Aractos again. Real guy was the person who was like behind, who was like the head of the Afghanistan desk, wants a promotion um, to Europe uh, because he wants to move to Europe, I think. Can't get it. Um, and then, yeah, just fucking flips out on, on um, what's the guy who plays Roger Sterling? Oh, oh um, fuck, you've put me on the spot there. Yeah. Uh, Good actor. Can't remember his he, name. He's, I, why can't I? Okay, let me let me just let me. Just. He, he looks so deeply like every Marine Corps general. It's incredible. Yeah. But yeah, but the whole thing where he just where, where he he's flipping out and he's saying, "I've I've always worked hard. I've never been sick, fucking sick at sea." Great. That's that, that, that. I spent the last three years learning Finnish. The sick at sea. <laughs> the sick at sea bit is such a Sorkin touch that I'm just like, yeah. he can't stop himself from doing some Gilbert and Sullivan. It's yeah. in the West Wing too. Remember the like nice Republican lady who like gets serenaded by the office. It's also it, it's uh, it's also in Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip, which is the, the sketch that sweeps America. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, honestly, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, it's great. He's never been bad mm. in anything. Oh, uh, fantastic! No. Fantastic! Yeah, the film the film is only great. It's great when he's on screen, and yep. any other time, I'm just waiting for Philip Seymour Hoffman to get back on screen. Absolutely. So Charlie uh, sees, uh, he reads, he's read the news and he says, hmm, hmm, some foreign policy mm. is happening. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, pretty good. And then let's go, we go back to Charlie, who visits uh, Joanne Herring's house in Texas, uh, where Joanne is having a bachelorette slave girl auction uh, to raise money Again, to give to the shit. She's doing pizza gate. 100%. <laughs> Now, yeah, Joanne in, in Herring order to was... support the Afghan, in order to support the Mujahideen, I'm doing this slave boy auction as they <laughs> as is their want. So Joanne now, Herring, Charlie, you have to meet my friend Jeffrey. <laughs> oh, fuck, I bet she knew Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, certainly she would have. Joanne Herring was an extremely wealthy, like one of the richest women in the states, a uh, 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 society lady from Texas, who was also. Um, Again, like a an evangel an evangelical Christian and virulent anti-communist, and she was a the private benefactor of a lot of like contra groups around the world, especially in Afghanistan. I something so I googled Joanne Herring, and something I absolutely loved was I read her entire Wikipedia page, and at no point does it explain how she was so rich. It doesn't even say she inherited the money. It's just nothing. It's just like, yeah, she was just really rich. Mm. But like, uh, two things. First thing is that like, this is a fantastic kind of American. Like, even though she's not a guy, this is a kind of guy, right? Uh, it's it, it, it's a genre of American where you you just end up with some weird hustle that gets out of control. And so she just kind of had like an in with the Pakistani government through about three military coups. To the point that she was like, I think that she was formerly a consul and then an ambassador at large of Pakistan in Houston, at knowing absolutely nothing about Pakistan. In her memoir, she calls it an Arab country. Oh my um, god, amazing! It's great. Yeah. So wait, uh, Seamus, I'm, I'm I want to bring you bring you back in for the role of Joanne Herring in this in this area because I I imagine she might have come up in your various studies. 
Um, I, I, I'm going to disappoint you and say uh, right. that you you probably know as much about Joanne Herring as I do. Um, the the I w- I was <laughs> the what I the only thing that I found um where in Joanne Herring is that I did not know the scale of their relationship beforehand. I did not know the scale of the relationship between Joanne Herring and Zia Alhuk. Alhuk. I. <sighs> I, it, it, it's just astounding that she was able to get the ambassadorship, that she was able to skirt security protocols to speak with the president of Pakistan, um, when mm. many others could not. She had this special relationship with, with him. Um, it's it's yeah. Mar-a-Lago shit, right? It's Mar-a-Lago shit, but it, it, it's just... Joanne Herring is a very interesting character in Pakistani mm. history, mainly because she was so clearly disrespectful of the culture and didn't know anything about it and yet she was able to reach this very 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 high status um it's uh a point of comparison might be christian evangelists uh and israel in the sense that a lot of christian evangelists um secretly they they're very anti-semitic because they imagine uh jewish people as being the i don't know what you'd call it um, the sacrificial lamb when the apocalypse happens. Um, mm. And Joanne Herring, as a evangelical Christian, and someone who is very, uh, who's someone who inherited religion was very, very opposed to Islam, managed to come to this relationship in order to fight the communists. It's a very, very weird nexus. Well, it's, it's mm. all, partly it's because for, again, for Sorkin, evangelical, not just for Sorkin, but in, in reality, like evangelical Christians, like a, a lot of the way they view the world tends to be quite, you know, um, let's say instrumental. You know, we, we support Israel because we want to bring about the apocalypse so they can build the second temple. Uh, we support uh, the Mujahideen in Afghanistan so they can like, like beat the Soviets. But like we are ourselves quite like Islamophobic and anti-Semitic. And like uh, that's not something again that Sorkin is able to touch on. He can only see the evangelicals as like, well, uh, they're they're very silly and very very offensive. And they're not and they're not very smart because if they were a smart epic atheist like like me who knew that church and state were supposed to be separate or whatever, then um, hmm. you know they they wouldn't like you know bog on about all this religion stuff. You know, it's you know what's really funny is that like he does accept that kind of instrumentality as a possible worldview, he just only ascribes it to Israel. Uh, there's, there's a bit, there's, this is such a 2007-ass movie, but there's a bit where Charlie Wilson says quite calmly, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Israel's guy in, on the Defense Appropriations Subcommittee, uh, because the Israelis get rich Jews in New York and Florida to donate to me, and that bankrolls my thing. He just says that, yeah. and uh, mm. it, that was like of a time when you could say that, and it would be like epic Sorkin dialogue, as opposed to now, where it's grotesque anti-Semitism. Yeah, uh, it, it's just it's that kind of of cynicism, I guess, that can be applied, but not to like the Jesus crazies, right? Yeah, it's the very Jesus weird. crazy. The Jesus crazies yeah. are like innocent, stupid children to Aaron Sorkin. Uh, yeah, but, and they're also really horny, and that's important. So, um, hmm. anyway, so Charlie is basically sa- Charlie's fucking Joanne Herring, of course. Uh, to your point, Milo, 
Um, yeah, they yeah. really and had also, to fuck up Julia Roberts to make her look like that, and they still didn't get as fucked up as Joanne Herring actually looked. No, I li- Joanne Herring then looks like Dolly Parton looks now. Yeah, she looks like, and he is like impossibly horny for this woman who looks yeah. like ninety years old. She, she looks like the big stretched skin thing in that Doctor Who episode. <laughs> like, oh, oh, there's just like you get you get enough facelifts and stuff starts going wrong in there, and it just goes in different directions. And zoom. so, what, moving us along a little bit, uh, she basically says, "Look, there's the Soviet Af- invasion of Afghanistan." Uh, and we need to ask, you know, how much influence, y- how, mu- how much influence do you have on the Foreign Operations Subcommittee and Defense Subcommittee? Because we need to get more funding there. So why isn't Congress taking this seriously as a real war? If this were a real because, war, yeah. if this were a real it, war, he says, Congress would have published a bipartisan paper, white paper on the Soviet threat in Afghanistan like they did in Nicaragua. You have to go to Pakistan mm. and meet with Zia on how to combat the Soviets. There follows then a hilariously low-rent sequence of the Soviets invading Afghanistan and blowing up a horse in a scene that would not go amiss in Tim and Eric. Okay, yeah, I, I, need, I need to talk about that. I need to talk about that scene. Yeah. Um, okay, so in just from a filmmaking perspective, um, in Full Metal Jacket, uh, there's a scene where Joker is in the helicopter and he's reporting with a gunner on a helicopter. and we, we, how can you shoot women and children? Yeah, how can you shoot women and children? And he says like this, and there's a shot where he's shooting people that are running around on the ground. And it's horrible, because it's very, very stark. Um, there's no music. We just hear the gunshots, and we see the people fall down. And it really establishes the horror of the Vietnam War, and the fact that Americans were killing people willy-nilly um, on the ground with no regard for who is who. Is who. Um... And it should be established that in the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, very similar things were happening with uh, Soviet gunships. Um, I have met people who were in Afghanistan at the time who described the gunship attacks on villages. There are photos of villages that have been destroyed by those attacks that are still destroyed today in Afghanistan. Uh, it was a very, very similar situation. And But the way this film dis- depicts it is so comical. It's unintentionally hmm. comical, but the, the who is the director? What is what is the name of the director of this? Mike uh, Nichols, who is the Mike director Nichols. of The Graduate and Who Killed Virginia Woolf? These I'm were the first two. Wolf. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Sorry. Yeah. Um, th- there's. A, I think this was his last this movie. This was his too, last movie insult before he died. To... Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh God! It, it, the way the way that this that these atrocities are depicted is that. There's people running away from these, I, th- I want to say CG gunships, because yeah, they look so mm-hmm. bad. Oh yeah, they're, they're like two polygons each. Yeah, oh, and, it's and James Bond the, Goldeneye shit. Yeah, and, and the music behind it. I, I can't describe the music behind it because it's so out of, of uh, it, it's, oh, it's so atonal to what's being described on screen, and not in like, um, like a way that Tarantino might do it, where it's, it's not fitting, but it's oddly fitting, and that there's the contrast. It's it's not fitting at all. It, it, it's and the way these people don't can't believe they use take that's greatest hits as the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. and, and the way that these people die on screen, they get evaporated into. I legitimately think these are stock special effects of explosions, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's completely the like it's not filmmaking. And they hold on this no. for like minutes at a time, where we're supposed to like feel horrible. And see the destruction that's happening, 
but it's just so amateurish and yeah. poorly made that I, I, I don't, I, if I didn't know about the actual atrocities that happened, I would, I, I wouldn't know what to think. I, it's you you so would be bad. a tanky. You would just write that off yeah, and you be like, oh, that, that like, never oh, happened. This is clearly they faked the atrocities. Yeah, but typical just, American propaganda. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's, I, I can't, I, I need to establish, this is a non-film. This is a non-film. Mm. It was it, like, there, there are scenes of people talking, they're attached together, and something that was filmed <laughs> by an E-team that's supposed to convince, like, I, I don't, ah, oh, God. This is the fake movie Argo in Argo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's like there's no there's no like there's no pacing whatsoever. There's no jeopardy at all. Like the whole thing just feels like a kind of bland like documentary they produced for internal comms at the at the fucking House of Representatives. Like, well, yeah. I'll tell you why. You'll see this as this sort of as we get through the plot more. It's because the entire thing progresses uh, purely as Charlie Wilson doing diplomacy to get more money to Afghanistan, and then the the when the money gets to Afghanistan, things go well. So Charlie Wilson, yes, not even like, diplomacy, I, sorry, I, I bureaucracy. To, He's just doing bureaucratic yeah, hoop jumping. I I want to go back to the helicopter for a minute, right? Because that is it's the shark in Jaws. It is that's the enemy. That's the animating force. Is specifically the Mi twenty four, the hind gunship is. In real life, Charlie Wilson, that's what he's like, That the effects of those and the effects of the Soviet war crimes using those is what animated him, he says, to uh, ramp up and uh, like aid to Afghanistan. Um, and there's, there's a bit later on, right, we'll get to it, but there's a bit where we see inside, the only time we see anyone speaking Russian, by the way, uh, we see the, the gunship crews talking to each other and just being like, yeah, what's up, and being totally blasé, uh, and then being like, well, time to start killing. Um, this movie this movie came out in, uh, I want to say, December of 2007. In, in July of 2007. And this was not publicly known for another three years, so it wasn't on purpose. But in July of 2007 was the collateral murder video where uh, a couple of AH-64s in Iraq basically did the exact same thing and were taped making the almost the exact same comments uh, as they were like um, bisecting Reuters journalists with cannon fire and so forth. And and so that's that's the ultimate kind of cynicism here for me is that that's it's something that the Russians can be seen to do. Um, and literally, while this movie was being made, Americans were doing the same thing because that's just what a, a, what an imperial war looks like. Exactly, exactly. That, it's not it's not a exclusively Soviet brutality. It's something no. that imperialist powers will always do. Is that they're nonchalant about it because they have to be. Yeah, that, that's that's how it's how a helicopter gunship works. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you fly around and you shoot people and you feel very good about yourself that you're flying above them with their dumbasses having to walk and you can just shoot at them and they can't shoot back. It's cool. <laughs> my my personal favorite American war crimes video. Oh, uh, Jesus is, well, actually, it's just it's just audio. It's audio from the cockpit. Where uh, these two Alabama National Guard Air Force oh, yeah, the fat accidentally fucking, yeah. They, yeah they strafed an entire British Army convoy and then they passed back around and they're like oh shit dude those look like Land Rovers <laughs> and the other <laughs> one goes oh fuck we're going to jail dude <laughs> <laughs> they did they did not also they did not, in, in, they, in case they you were wondered yeah, yeah so uh, let's give ourselves an intervention logic shall we 
uh, because after going to visit uh, Pakistan and visiting Al-Haq and uh, two generals who are like being like, hmm, we're we're taking offense to your American ways, Charlie Wilson, as though they've like, yeah, just never met Americans before. Uh, I love those guys. The guy who was like, I went to Oxford. I know what that word means. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. All right. Yeah, Oxford Union guy. <laughs> uh, what do you want to do? Start a podcast? And they're like, Charlie Wilson, you, America sold us F-16s but didn't sell us radars. Why didn't you give us the good equipment? And then it's like, you know, cut to 10 years later. And it's like, motherfucker, America doesn't even have the good equipment. <laughs> um, no. So Charlie's like, look, I'm going to ask them to consider increasing the funding. Uh, and Zia says, I know you're a man of many great character flaws, but I also know you never make a promise you can't keep, which is, I don't know. Who the fuck would say that to someone? That's some dumb Sorkin you're, shit. You're, you're a loose, you're a loose cannon, but you get the yeah, job done. Yeah, yeah. I am so, hard to you, you hate you. I to fuck my wife. So, prom- <laughs> so promise visit to re- visit a refugee camp in Peshawar before you go. Cue the yellow filter and the speedy oud music. Yes, we we talked Damn. about this before we started recording. There are there are two kinds of music you can use when you want to make a Western movie that features like anything in the Arab world. You can either do the guy like, guy yelling in world music voice, <laughs> not not any words, just yeah, just notes. Yeah. Or if you want to like voice. yeah, or if you want to like do some fucking like some action, you do the like speedy oud. Be like dum 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 Okay, okay. Also, Alice, Alice, I want I want to point this out because I feel like you would you would get my why I'm mad at this um, more than mm. anyone else here. Uh, in For in sure. the Pakistan scene when he first gets there, when Charlie Wilson first gets there, they play the Athan in the background. Oh, but, but yeah, that's they, they true. Play the in that's the true. And then they do the Ashadwan the ilaha illallah, and but then they cut it. And they cut it. They don't do the rest of it. They just <laughs> no. They, they just like well, that was that was a fun little piece of like background setting. As the I guess president of Pakistan and two generals just kind of ignore it. Like <laughs> got, got shit to be doing. Kind of kind of. I've got a meeting. Uh, so just just a guy theatrically doing the cut it like hand signal to the muezzin in the middle of that. <laughs> I, 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 so, um, so basically, let so Charlie Wilson gets to the refugee camps. And he sees the people who are injured and displaced and so on. And he's no longer a joking shagger and coxman and does not and is now serious for the rest of the film. Flashman in Afghanistan. Yes. Uh, and, and the thing is, right, like all of these atrocities did happen when we're not fucking going to defend Hafizullah Amin on this podcast. We're not going to be like, no, actually, actually, the, the People's Democratic Party of Afghanistan did nothing wrong. Right. It, all of that's real, which is why it's so grotesque to see it be used for this like weird encomium to like limousine liberalism. Yeah. To be like, yeah, yeah this, this, this dude got his fucking legs blown off because like he, he thought he saw a toy in a field and actually was like a butterfly mine. Um, but like the important thing about this here is how this guy felt about it and how he felt about it was he wanted to stop doing cocaine for like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, Which and is about the amount of time you should leave between lines yeah. anyway, if you're being sensitive. <laughs> and meanwhile, in the background, you have fucking like more like sad, more like somber oud music from, I guess, Hans Zimmer, the Operation Paperclip John Williams. And it's like, yeah, great. 
Thanks. Feel feel fantastic about this one. <laughs> um, and so, that, that, but that's again. I think it's this is Sorkin writing himself in. He was like, I was having fun. Then I saw foreign policy, so I decided to write Charlie Wilson's War instead of something more silly. Mm. Um, like this is this is again mm. about him taking himself seriously. And this is now comes my favorite si- uh, uh, sequence of this film which is Charlie Wilson and Amy Adams, who just spends the entire time looking up at him lovingly and with reverence. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. Hell yeah. Uh, tells a story about how he got into politics. Again, apropos of nothing. Oh, yeah. mm. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in a wistful mood. from every other scene. <laughs> they just have it in there. Yeah. This, oh, is, this, is, let's think, this is how you know it is like, it is like uncut Sorkin. Well, it's also how you know that it's not a true story because it isn't, yeah. but it's a story that uh, that Charlie Wilson told because it's just kind of like rambling and it doesn't really relate to anything, but it ends in like America and so, the abstract. This is basic- That's all Joe Biden yeah, says this is, now, this is- and it's because he came up with guys like this. This is Charlie Robinette Wilson. Um, yeah. So uh, there was an awful. There was a mean, a mean man. Uh, Corn pop. There was a. Mean- <laughs> <laughs> there was a mean man, a Mr. Hazard. Um, you have to have a story like this if you were in Congress in like the 80s to early 90s. Yeah. If you know who Tip O'Neill was, you have to have been menaced by like a threatening dude and then you like made it better again by being too American. So here's the, here's the speech, which I have transcribed. This is a response to, there is this guy, Mr. Hazard, doesn't like dogs, so he killed Charlie Wilson's dog quite painfully. Uh, Damn. Bonnie asks. Wait, what? It was it was one of the Huckabee Sanders brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you what did you do, boss? Oh, I'm so stupid, and I just wish you would tell me what's up. Um, secretary shit, yeah. like the movie secretary. Uh, I, I hope you can tell me because I can't read, and then spank me for no reason. Oh, so um, demeaning. <laughs> Yeah, it's Aaron Sorkin is only able to write. He look, he's only able to eat, eat to write women either as like like characters who are stand-ins for dudes or as sort of um simp like simpering uh, yeah. bimbos. Yeah, well, like both. That's that's the hottest thing is when they're like really they're smart like a dude, but then also they're kind of like a simpering bimbo when so, they're around with the dude. They get flustered. So mm. so so Charlie right says. Well, I got some gasoline and burned down Mr. Fowler's flower bed, but that wasn't he satisfying enough. And then the I remembered worst Falkhorn Leghorn accent throughout this whole movie. And then I remembered Mr. Hazard was an elected official. He was head of the town council. His re-election every two years was a foregone conclusion. So come election day, I drove over to the black section of town. Now, these people hadn't voted in any of these elections. I it fil- is a Biden story. I filled up my car with black voters and I drove them to the polling place and waited and drove them on home. But before I got out of my car, I said, now, nah, I don't mean to influence you, but I think you should know that Mr. Charles Hazard intentionally killed my dog. <laughs> <laughs> About 400 ballots were cast in that election. I drove 96 of them to the polls, and Hazard lost by 16 votes. And that's the day I fell in love with America. Alice, you're uh, right. I, it's I, Biden. Amazing. It's pure Biden. Yeah, I, 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 too, fell in love with America the day I could realize I could, like, instrumentalize... <laughs> Uh, systematic racist <laughs> <laughs> disenfranchisement to be like, oh, my dog is, is, is dead because the the story isn't true, by the way. Like, it, it, they people fact checked it, and it's just a thing that he made up. 
Uh, so yeah, ab- absolutely. I also love mind. how like Sorkin goes for that story, and he doesn't at all attempt to engage even remotely with like why a bunch of black people in Texas might not be that keen on voting well, because, in the local. Yeah, because because a voted. white liberal yeah, hasn't come voted. along and told them to vote. Yeah, yeah. that's Thank why. Thank God he was there. Yeah, well. <laughs> Charlie Wilson wasn't there. They may never have voted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's because they didn't have anyone to drive them. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Someone That's just why someone just had to come in there with a tie tucked into the third button of their of their shirt, <laughs> roll up their sleeves, <laughs> and and then say stuff like, "Yeah, you know, Matt I mean, Hancock. I'm, 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 he, I think just, just calling every individual black voter in Texas Esther Williams <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, no, no. I I like to think of America kind of as like a really big soda shop, and yeah, I might I might want one flavor, but you want another flavor, and you know what? We all get. The flavor we want, and I can, you know what, vanilla. It was the point it, is we're all manufactured in Israel, <laughs> and you know what, and vanilla. Fuck, vanilla I should was, get some Biden drops. Van, vanilla was hard to come by in those times because the beans they didn't they didn't grow everywhere. Now, now, no, no. I had access to some of the beans, and I said to the store, the owner of the of the soda shop, you know, I'll sell you the beans, but I want to make sure, you know, I want to make sure everyone he gets a slice, <laughs> a slice of soda. Yeah. <laughs> just challenges his assistant to a push-up. Yeah, uh, I, I want to throw. I want to throw. I want to throw back to Seamus here because I know we spoke about this particular, <laughs> this particular god. sequence. Oh god! It, it, okay, I I'm going to reveal something incredibly embarrassing about myself. Um, back when I was a boy, I was, I was a boy. Um, yeah, all of six yeah. months <laughs> ago. Yeah, back, back when you're still a boy. <laughs> um, Sometime I, at the beginning of this podcast, twenty year old. Earlier this morning, uh, I I purchased the Aaron Sorkin screenwriting masterclass. Um, I, I hell yeah. It was. I, I can hear Riley about to deploy the Laurie Penny thing. If I make fun of you no, too much, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. You carry on. No, 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 no. I understand. This was a complete mistake on my part. However, uh, at the time. I, it was the only screwwriting masterclass there, and I was interested in the concept. Um, I watched the whole thing. Uh, I watched all the movies that, rec- that uh, was recommended to me. I did the workbook. Um, everything that the weird thing is that the whole class is good, mm. but the issue is that everything that Aaron Sorkin recommends, Aaron Sorkin doesn't do in his actual <laughs> screenplays. <laughs> Like, I, I, I can't like one of the things that he establishes in the class is that um, there has to be kind of a clear through line through um, there has to be a clear moral message if you're trying to attempt a moral message in, in your in your screenplay. I have I have read through this. I fell in love with America's speech multiple times. I have no idea what I am supposed to get out of it. I I, I don't know why he fell in love with America. Because it's not idealistic in any sense. Yeah, where dog murderers are in yeah, charge. No, but, it's but, a great uh, place. Are the Soviet Union the dog murdering also, guy? Is, is that what? It, but also, you can't vote the Soviet Union out or anything. I, I don't. Un- it, the, well, the, bl- the black voters are the Mujahideen. Is that, the is truck that what that is? The truck is stinger missiles. I, 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 I don't, I don't I fucking know. know. I'm making this shit up. Then as I whatever go. I can come up with is the thing. I, gen- I, I, I keep running. I, I, I have the screenplay in front of me right now. I have the actual screenplay in front of me. I've, I read through, I skimmed it uh, last night, because I was trying to just see if it maybe reads better. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't. Narrator, it, it does not. It, it does not. 
And if anything, it reads worse. Uh, <laughs> it, I, God, I, I, uh, I don't like the speech at all. I don't like the speech yeah. at all. I, I don't like the speech. Well, that's the thing about it is it's just a technically badly written film. It just doesn't do any of yeah. the things that films are supposed to do. I kept waiting for the film to start. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's like all of it just felt like one long introduction, yeah, like and then the, there's the three minutes at the like end the where they cover act. most of the action. Oh god. Yeah. He he made a war movie about like the procedural horse trading that you do to fund the war, and then he puts the war into a three minute montage. Yeah. God. So, uh, and the montages are bad. Like, uh, there's a bit like where they're they're finally shooting down Soviet helicopters, and it's the worst collection of archive footage I've ever seen. One of them turns into a Huey as it's being shot down. There's an F sixteen. It it's just it was. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. He is. Uh, we're back in America now. That the country he fell in love with. You know, when he got that dog murderer out of office by <laughs> um doing busing. Um. Anyway. He's uh, handed a piece of paper. Uh, Gust Avaraktos comes into his office and they talk about the current approach to Afghanistan, which they agree uh, isn't working, and that um, Charlie Wilson's work to double the budget uh, has not been enough. So this is when they meet. Again, this is no case scene. He says Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. But you say that, but it's not because they immediately do like screwball comedy. Yeah, like, exactly. that's what I'm getting to. One door that's what I'm getting to. After you talk about that, I need to, I need to just. Yeah. Break it down so further. The way, the way this works, the way this works is um he's talking to Gus Averactos who brings him a bottle of scotch, and then one of his like hot assistants comes in and hands him a piece of paper, tells Gus Averactos to leave, and then all the five assistants just pile in like it's an episode of Laugh In and they've popped their heads through a bunch of doors. And <laughs> yeah, they like, do the Sorkin thing where they each say one line, which yeah. try that shit in real life yeah. and see how far it gets. We try you. to do that, we can't. And they're like, oh no, he's under. <laughs> you're under an investigation for doing cocaine by the ethics committee. Uh oh. Oh, uh, not by the ethics oh, committee. No. By Rudy Giuliani. Oh, yeah, by Rudy Giuliani. That's right. Oh. And it's like, oh no. And it's like, ah, damn. A cool, a, a cool, uh, a cool liberal who's being hampered just because of his cocaine habit. I wonder what I've heard <laughs> about one of those people before. Oh, I forgot a thing. On this podcast, it's Aaron yeah. Sorkin. Oh. Also that, but like also a detail that was not included. Uh, we see Charlie Wilson drinking a lot in like a fun, good time sort of way. Um, did you know that the night before he flew out to Pakistan for the first time, he got in a hit and run drunk? What? Absolutely wow, serious. Dude, some Matthew Broderick shit. Yeah, he, he, he smacked into a parked car driving drunk in DC. And then the next day just was like, well, time to go to Pakistan. Okay. Uh, yeah. It seems about right. That's, I wonder, you've got to understand I though, that's in the great American tradition, right? Especially well, in the eighties. Like, there's nothing they love more than driving drunk. Like, they respect the hell out of that. But I love the idea, right? That you can have this, like, kind of like, oh, he does the chauvinist stuff, and he grabs asses and stuff like that, and he does coke. That that's acceptable to put in the movie. But like, it's too morally compromised to have him drive drunk because that might make him look bad. Yeah, well, it's the again. It's all of the all. It, I I see this more as evidence of Aaron Sorkin like seeing Charlie Wilson as a combination of Bill Clinton and himself, where it's hmm. like he's like uh, where he can only see people are hassling Charlie Wilson, even though he's doing a damn fine job. 
Um, Just trying to report the goddamn news. <laughs> anyway, so they go back and forth a few times in a very stupid screwball comedy scene that's very jarring with the rest of this movie. Um, well, he's trying to f- strategize the war in Afghanistan with Gus Devaractos and then trying to strategize his response to this cocaine thing with all of his, like, coterie of five assistants. Um, it's good. It's just he put, a, he put a screwball comedy scene after the stirring speech scene after all of the uh, uh, amputees. It's, just, it's deeply jarring. If, if you want to know, yeah, if you want to know why Joe Biden remains popular in America, I would suggest that it's because a lot of people think that po- just grew up with the idea that this is what politics is and this is what politics is like. Is you just go from your like personal scandal to your like warmongering and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, and it's cool, and you can just tell a weird story about your dog or something, and everybody <laughs> forgets about it. Um, so uh, we we let, let's 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 finish up with the with the screwball scene. Uh, Seamus, I recall you you said you wanted so- to mention something yeah, about this strange screwball comedy scene. Okay, yeah, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a taboo opinion here. Um, this scene shows how much better the West Wing is at shooting. Aaron Sorkin scenes. Um, mm. In 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 the the whole thing about the West Wing is that it's kind of like a walk and talk, and it's always everybody's always moving around. The camera's always moving. Uh, there, there's a the West Wing is awful, but it's got a good pacing to it. Um, however, Mike Nichols and uh, whoever did the cinematography on this film, I have no idea who he is. They don't know how to shoot an Aaron Sorkin scene. They yeah, because not doing enough coke. Is they, the I mean, you joke, you joke, but like it's kind of right. There's no, there's no, no electricity to it at there's all. There's no frenetic kind of yeah. yeah. They're shooting it flat. Exactly. They pan you need to, to the be scene. really concerned about Israel while you're doing yeah. it. Otherwise, it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, no, you know, you know, you know how you shoot an Aaron Sorkin scene. It is the Zoidberg joke in Futurama where he's directing and he says, "I want to see all of the emotions on screen <laughs> yeah. at the same time." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Ugh. Yeah. So, uh, moving swiftly on, um, he basically—I'm I'm, going to skip over all this uh, uh, the stuff where they talk to like Mike Vickers about the details of all of the things that they'll need. Yeah, he just—he just does techno babble. Yeah. Like, uh, Aaron Sorkin. Uh, uh, he just—he does the fucking uh, like fugitive search every doghouse, outhouse, and henhouse speech, but just naming different kinds of like bomb. Yeah. He's like, I need a bicycle bomb and a mortar bomb and a, a tricycle bomb. And it's just like, okay, yeah, dude, cool, whatever. You know a lot about bombs. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, he's he, he fucking doesn't yeah. either. Also, like, it's all, also, I, I, I want to bottle the way Tom Hanks pronounces Erlikon. Yeah. Also, uh, Mike, like, like the, the the character who's the weapon specialist, Mike Vickers. Of course, Sorkin writes him in because he's like a young mega genius who plays five games of chess at once. And I'm sure so- Aaron Sorkin would want a CIA weapons expert who plays five games of chess at once to be a Democratic uh, president. It's Dominic Cummings. Yeah, it's Dominic. Cu- it's American Dominic Cummings. Um, but I want to also get to uh, how are you able to do this? Gust asks. Uh, the in terms of like constantly going out for more uh, money for this war in Afghanistan, to which Wilson answers, I represent the only district in America that doesn't want anything. They want guns, low taxes, and that's it. So I get to vote yes to a lot of things. The only district in America that doesn't want anything. 
If only so cool. Yeah, huh. If only le- fewer Americans wanted fewer things, then legislators could go do noble interventions elsewhere. Yeah, well, this is yeah. the thing, right? It's not like um, y- y- the temptation with this movie is to keep thinking that it's smarter than it is, and it isn't because Aaron Sorkin just isn't that smart or isn't that subtle. And so the temptation is to think that oh, that's that's quite a like uh, subtle criticism of how. America is very good at like bureaucratically just turning the money tap on and then just kind of leaving it. Instead, mm. no, it, it's just that no that he thinks that's cool. He thinks yep. that, that that's good that you can just have this kind of like provincial bumblefuck motherfucker just just invade a country on his own. Um, well, again, this is this is a smart filmmaker, a smart writer would have made this a criticism of, like you say, Alice, America's willingness to find money for foreign interventionism. Aaron Sorkin's criticism <clears throat> is of Americans for demanding too many silly things of their legislators and not letting them do intervention. No, do you want a healthcare pony? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so their plan, such as it is, is to get a bunch of Soviet-made weapons by brokering an arrangement between Israel, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Pakistan to, like, arrange a flow of weaponry into Afghanistan so they can shoot down helicopters. We we get the fucking Aaron Sorkin peace process scene again. Yeah. Where he just, like, fucking puts, if we can just get the Muslims and the Jews together around a table, then we can fucking hammer out these differences by speechifying. Big old melting pot. Can Mm. we quickly talk about the scene in Israel where he's trying to convince the fucking Israeli black ops guy to go along with this, and the guy is going, like, just to get this straight, you want me to be in an arrangement with Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Pakistan? And then he's like, oh, uh, yes. And he goes, you crazy bastard, I'm in. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> literally how it is. Yeah, it's like, it's like, and, and also it's like, it's, it's, it's not like, it's like something that would be more at home in the Expendables. It's like, <laughs> it's so dumb. It's, it's uh, once again, as with the bathtub scene, this would be grotesquely anti-Semitic if you looked at it for a second, just be like, how does Israel do policy? You talk to a guy in a restaurant and he kind of yells at you and then eventually he does what you want. Also, the Israeli After guy some, like, isn't haggling. even Israeli. He's from Edinburgh. Like, of course. Yeah, I don't God, he's, it's, so, it's so comical with an accent that he's doing. Um, well, and then I love that then he's in the room with the Egyptian guy, and they're just, like, arguing, doing this, like, weird, like, fucking Muslim Jew banter shit who hates mm. the other, the more, as, as if they're, as if, like, Israeli and Egyptian intelligence service people aren't capable of, like, Never cynically cooperating. Never do a single conversation with each other, no. No, also, they hate each other. If, if you go back and, and listen to our previous TF movie club, uh, he's doing, the Egyptian guy is doing Mark Strong's sexy Arab voice. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah. I hate it I, when I can't I respond the to the call to prayer because the Israeli guy keeps dropping dreidels. <laughs> somehow this just happens. I just ninety percent of being in an Arab intelligence agency is just like steepling your fingers together and being like, "Hmm, very interesting." <laughs> so their plan yeah. is basically to get that preacher's daughter to dress up like a belly dancer uh, and seduce the Egyptian defense minister, who basically spends the entire time like crossing his eyes and hitting himself on the head yeah. with a hammer. Comically <laughs> horny. Yeah. It's just like Awooga the whole time. Well, they like have out the real politics in the back um and like again reportedly that's true like that actually happened but the fact that aaron sorkin then spends that entire scene treating that just like a sort of 
slapstick fait accompli well the actual interesting stuff is them talking about the logistics of where they're gonna fly these guns is just such a filmmaking misstep hmm yeah it's it's great <sighs> why well, i love also they're just the other egyptian like meet in the room guys who are just going like oh it's not like any belly dancing i've ever seen but while they're like eyes are like popping out of their head <laughs> <laughs> um anyway he's uh let a- the old egyptian guy who is um basically the uh you know the you know when tony soprano goes to naples and meets the old mob boss he, he thinks is in charge um, and then he just keeps saying street names in America because he's clearly senile. He's that guy. He's the old mm. Italian Napoli mob boss in The Sopranos who lost his marbles. Anyway, he goes and gets yeah. his dick sucked for some reason. Just a horny bath party mustache. <laughs> You're just a, a horny oh, old yeah. bathist. Um, everyone shakes hands. So Gust and Charlie are on the way back. Can't do that anymore. Gust and Charlie are on the way back to America. Gust tells Charlie he needs to stop Joanne. To, from throwing like celebrations about like beating the Soviets through Christian power or whatever, because she f- keeps framing it as a religious war. Uh, and what's hmm. hilarious is that we come to this fundraiser scene in, in Houston, where Charlie should be engaged in tight negotiations uh, with Al Haq about cooperating with Israel and so on, and which he's resistant to doing because their country's like officially enemies. Like that's interesting, getting like behind the scenes cooperation. Between two countries who are officially what if I see one fucking star of David on those cases? Yeah. It's yeah, that, <laughs> like, that's that, fucking that's, Christ, that's, man. Why, why does this AK have ringlets on? Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's a, that's an interesting aperture is just a big black hat. That's an interesting <laughs> story to tell, but it takes like five seconds of what should be a tense scene about Charlie Wilson just mumbling something about breaking the Logan Act, and then Zia's at this party is like, "Cool, whatever, we'll do it." All right. Uh, oh well, good. Yeah. Solved. Man, yeah, yeah. that scene was just like it, because the point of this scene is him and Joanne, and so Zia may as well just be like, "This is just like entourage." As- <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what I mean. Like, it's a comical scene of the Pakistani army opening the crates, and they're like, "This is just full of salt beef bagel." <laughs> Sor- this is again where Sorkin can't stop writing his own fantasies, where like the Christian evangelical dominionist Joanne Herring promises she's not fighting an apocalyptic religious war, and her principles are all about freedom of religion for all and people. Why the fuck would it matter? Well, like the. The idea that uh, the the big problem here is that she is speechifying about this, that she's ver- being very explicit about her like desire for religious war. Who the fuck cares? She got what she wanted out of the federal government anyway. But she did it for he's the right there, reason. He's there to tell her that she's that he's doing everything that she wants. Yeah, but the uh, aesthetics uh, were wrong, Alice. The aesthetics are, were are not su- appealing. Are you suggesting that the material thing doesn't matter so long as we're not vulgar? <laughs> and that the thing that we have to defend against at all costs is the appearance oh. of being vulgar? Um, and again, don't forget, Char- mm. Aaron Sorkin thinks that he's satirizing people like Joanne Herring, but then can't stop himself from rehabilitating her character as saying she's all about freedom of religion for all people, quote, which we have, they want, and the communists are slaughtering them for. You know, the Mujahideen, very keen about freedom of religion for all people. Yeah, they love oh, it. Yeah. 100%. Can I, uh, can I, can yeah, I jump for in it. for a second? So many, many, many listeners know this, but maybe not all listeners know this, that I'm a veteran of the war in Afghanistan. And one of the things that I think is so hilarious about this is 
like you mentioned Golbadin Hekmatyar previously, Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, famously, the reason why Kabul was so damaged in the war was not yeah. the Soviets, but rather uh, the why, civil why would war they afterwards. Shell Hekmat- all of their own ministries and such. Exactly. Hekmatyar showed up and was rocketing Kabul every night. Uh, and so, to me, I think in a way, like, I realized that the, we'll get to the ending, but this, the entirety of this is, is shown as like this feat of American daring do, and then, oh, wow, if only they'd listened to the warnings, then maybe we wouldn't have had bad things happen afterwards. But I think about just how much all of the problems that we faced in Afghanistan, like the war being completely stupid to begin with and a terrible idea, but then also what it was actually like being there are basically, we just traded places with the Soviet Union and the the Pakistanis were receiving covert funding and their own funding being used to, you know, arm and train people to fight against the Afghan government and against the, you know, Western military presence. So basically, we did the, we basically did the Soviet-Afghan war on ourselves, probably using a significant amount of the money and arms purchased in the 80s to continue this fight all the way through when I was there in 09 up until now. And this film was made in 07. So, I mean, it was made with the benefit of hindsight. And never is this, is this pointed out as like, oh, this could be a bad thing. This could be going poorly. Like, it's, it, it's weird to me how what they basically suggest is America just didn't imperialism enough. Yes. And if it yes. had, we'll, we'll get then to that. everything would have yes. been amazing. Also, as an aside, the one thing I really want to read is, I want to read, we'll never get to, except maybe in like 70 years or something, but I want to read some memoirs from the ISI guys who just spent the like 80s through 2010s just playing just every possible side off against each other and just like cultivating various pet jihadists and elevating some and diselevating others and just like that's that's the fucking they they did grace out of this mm. it's fantastic so also by the way uh it might seem to you like we've spent almost the entirety of this extra long film episode just on the setup of the movie we haven't we're probably <laughs> we're going to be done uh recording this in not too long and there's not very much movie left <laughs> No, I looked at the timer for like how much of the movie was left, and I was like, 10 minutes? <laughs> what? Wilson has to go to the appropriations committee to get any more than like the 10, 20 million he's sending over there. Do- I need you to help me build this Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> now, 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 you hear me? I, I need to do this, build this gigantic fan that's going to blow back at us. <laughs> um, so Wilson goes to the head of the appro- appropriations committee. Uh, Doc Antle long and says, and Doc Antle says, no way, we're not giving handouts to these extremists. Um, so. And again, this is, this is the House Defense Appropriations Subcommittee, the same people that explicitly in the text are identified as having funded the fucking Contras. Mm. But remember, no, it's, it's also said in the film, in the film that Charlie Wilson helped fund the Nicaraguans in the film. And it's just kind of cast off. This man oh, is yeah. responsible for yeah. so many deaths. Because that was a good thing. Because it was bad. You know, it was bad that, the, that they overthrew Somoza. We, we don't yeah. like that. We, we want to make sure that 
we want to make sure that we can continue, you know, having a fucking nightmare, but like literal banana republic. So anyway, uh, no, but we're talking about Doc Long, uh, Doc Antle. And he says, no way, we're not giving handouts to these extremists, even though, yes, uh, Charlie Wilson, as we say, was involved in giving handouts to the extremists in yeah. Nicaragua. Now, now if, if you'll excuse me, I have to take this call from a man with several skulls on his uniform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's like, look, no, don't worry, you're not the bad guys, y'all are just eccentric. Yeah, it's it's ve- it's very it's very interesting, you know. It's um, it's like, yes, we. What's that, El Mazote? Why? <laughs> but, uh, that so that said, sounds like a fancy dish they have on the fifth of May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's, it's like Charlie Charlie Wilson is for the smart death squads. Mm. Um. So anyway. Mm. Uh, Doc Long says, no way, we're not going to give handouts to these extremists. And he says specifically, he won't give any money to Pakistan because it's going into the hands of a regime that imprisoned a blind girl for the crime of being raped. So, uh, again, it's 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 all about the... Because this guy is defo a big anti-rape guy. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, Joanne, then, Joanne Herring then talks to Doc Antle and says she got him involved. Charlie Wilson just needs to go get that specific girl out of jail. Again, because for liberals, everything is about individuals. It's about individual morality. It's about it's about this yeah, one individual we, we thing. We solved Pakistan, everybody. Yeah, we fixed Pakistan by by saying we're only going to give you money for your um for to like you know wage a covert war if you like do like one little liberal thing for us. If you do a, a token mm. gesture of liberalism. By the way, at this point, also, they get a phone call. They're all sitting in a bar, Charlie Wilson, Gus Avocados, and, um, and his coterie of assistants, and the cocaine investigation is over. Congratulations. Uh, this is how you... Drop that subplot. I was going to say, this is how you know a movie is good. If one of the main subplots is set up and then just peters out and doesn't amount to anything. Oh, is there, is there any mention of the investigation between that scene and then the scene where it's solved? Nope. My goodness, no. No, 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 oh, not Oh, my at all. God. <laughs> this is it's, so it's, awful. It's just there to provide some some sort of semi slapstick early in, on. Yeah, look in the screenwriting guide that Aaron Sorkin wrote. It diagrams out how these things work, and it's supposed to go inciting incident, rising action, and then just end. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So they all go montage the rest of the. So film. they go back to the same refugee camp, including the chairman Doc Long, and the chairman has the identical come to Damascus moment as Charlie Wilson. Where he is too converted, like no, don't come to Damascus. <laughs> where he's converted to the we must do something cause. So then they develop a special missile platform that shoots down hind helicopters. Uh, you you missed a bit. You missed a bit. Yeah. There's the bit in the refugee camp where Doc Antle is like give, he is giving his speech on top of a truck, and uh, the Afghans applaud him and they do takbir. They say Allahu Akbar. Uh, amazing, awesome, and he gets kind of like he gets drunk off of the Islam, right? Uh, and like <laughs> yeah. so, every every time they say takbir, he gets more and more like uh, impressive until eventually he's yelling it too. And then there's some kind of like sinister music in the background. <laughs> it's like ah, oh, mm. you made them. too. Damn. Yeah. Wait, and Hussein Kazvani slips out of the background of the shot. Uh, anyway, so um, yeah, that's where we get the special missile platform specifically to shoot down Hines. And we cut to a scene in Afghanistan where a squad of three Hines is flying over an Afghan village about to do some war crimes. And like we mentioned earlier, just blithely talking about their girlfriends. Yeah. And then uh, some, some Mujahideen in 
an, an uh, honestly a scene that looks like it has the production values four of, a, lions. of a Power Rangers uh, uh, episode. Yeah, four, four lions did this scene better, and they yes! fumble the fucking rocket launcher <laughs> in that. It was actually filmed somewhere real. They man- like Chris Morris managed to do that. How could how could they not film somewhere real in this movie? <laughs> it, it's so amazing to me that the first guy comes out and he like fumbles the rocket launcher and then eventually he manages to fire it and it shoots down the hind and then he like reacts like a fucking wookie and starts just jumping around <laughs> like going <laughs> and, then, and then two other guys appear from like out of a bush and then also fire their stingers and also miraculously hit the two other helicopters by the despite way, the fact that they're by this point yeah all of which crash into the middle of a town which I yeah, get. The yeah. in the middle of the village. They fall down. And, yeah, it's also and then just they all like start it's... doing the Chewbacca thing. Yeah, and it's an instant kill too. Like it, the helicopter stops moving in midair and then just drops vertically to the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, the, the Russian helicopters are all designed by Wiley e. Coyote. <laughs> I also have to laugh because I look at that and it's just like I realize these are details that most people don't care about. But you in the scene with Doc Long at the, at the camp in Peshawar, they, oh, they made Black Hawk down. They say they speak in two thousand and fucking. <sighs> they 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 they're speaking. They're actually speaking Pashto in the uh, in the scene with Doc Long where the guy's translating for his speech. So there was some attention to detail. But then in the scene with them shooting down the helicopters, like it basically looks like they're 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 they're, they're camped out in the hills of the Sierra Nevada mountains in fucking California. Yes. And then they shoot down helicopters it's, that, it's that, cra- four that Iranian crash guys. That, that crash into the fucking Battle of the Kasbah in goddamn Algeria. Like none of it actually <laughs> looks like Afghanistan. So I realize <laughs> what's amazing to me is that like okay Minor detail, I suppose, for most people, but like, just film it in fucking New Mexico. Literally, New Mexico looks exactly like Afghanistan. But nope, they can't do it. And it's just like you realize that it's all just as uh, as Julia Roberts' character in her actual, her real life, the person she's based on, referred to Pakistan as an Arab country. Like, for a lot of people, it's just mm. interchangeable. Certainly, in the mind of brain genius Aaron Sorkin, it's interchangeable. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, and also, by the way, the whole like, yeah, we've shot down the, the helicopters only at the cost of everyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and you shoot you you shoot them down very cleanly. And I like I want to come back to Black Hawk Down, which is a movie about how shooting down helicopters is not very clean. Uh, but that's you know our helicopters. So, so be- it's before bad. before we carry on, and before we carry on to mm. Charlie Wilson in a pakol being gifted Stinger missiles by the brave Mujahideen as the tanks roll back into the country mm. from this back to the Soviet Union, uh, Seamus, mm. what did you think of the three minutes of that's the it. film? Back to the Soviet <laughs> Union, Seamus. What did you think of the three minutes of the film that actually? contained any of the action oh god yeah <laughs> i mean i mean this just, just in the action just the filmmaking aspect of it this film costs 75 million dollars to make jesus it, how many stinger missiles is that I, 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 it's gotta be it, it, what was the price they gave they gave the actual figure with the stinger missiles less than a million dollars um black hawk down costs about 25 million more to make um mm-hmm. and uh let me let me just look i, I need i had i had in my notes what's the budget of four lions okay the budget for four lions is um five million dollars <laughs> this 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 film i i i i would agree with that i think this was filmed just outside of like uh the union like the the tmz in la they didn't bother to go even to utah or something to film this scene they they slapped this together 
But you can't. You you could. I feel like you could have filmed this movie without even a single scene in Afghanistan of this, and it would still work. Why did you, if you weren't willing to spend the money to actually film a real action scene? I don't understand why you would film it at all. I I was I, I okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I love that bit when the helicopter crashes into the Hollywood sign. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it originally it originally was was meant to have the movie end with fucking nine eleven, but they decided that would be an unhappy ending, so they they had to change it. I'm not joking. So not even uh, they. Tom that Hanks. would have been so good. It it would have it would have made more sense thematically. Uh, get getting to the ending. Uh, we cut to 1988. Charlie Wilson's being gifted a Stinger missile in a pack hole, and then he's in a party. Uh, where they're celebrating the Soviets leaving Afghanistan, where uh, Gust and Charlie have a, li- a little moment afterward, where Gust says, "Okay, you need to, you need to actually like follow this up with like you know money and roads and yeah. schools and a- so every, on." Every 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 extremist is coming into Kandahar like a bathroom drain is the line, and it's like, dude. Who do you think? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I mean, okay. I, can, I, can I just? Hmm. I, I just. I want to yes. establish. I want to establish something. I want to establish something. Um, this is the. I want. I want to make it clear to anyone who has not seen the film. This is the. I am. I am dead serious. This is the only mention of the jihadists in this film. Yes, it is the yes. only mention. Is Philip Seymour's line about the crazies going to Kandahar? Um, in 1979. This was the f- in December 1979, in the first days after the Soviet invasion, Abdullah Azam, who would become who would co-found Al Qaeda with Osama bin Laden, he was he had issued a fatwa talking about the the obligation upon every able-bodied Muslim to come to Afghanistan to expel um, the Soviets as a religious obligation. And then this fatwa was endorsed by the Grand Mufti of Saudi Arabia, Bin Baz, a man so conservative that he thought the earth was flat um, in the 1970s. Awesome. He was a Facebook guy. Yeah. And, and <laughs> calling people globeheads. No, I, 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 yeah, during, during, during the 1980s, there, were, there, were, there was um, Abdul Azam was going around the United States at the permission of the United States government talking about, like, Talking about the fact that jihad in Afghanistan was a religious obligation. Many of these videos that are in Al Qaeda propaganda, where he's featured in them, they were filmed in places like Tulsa in Oklahoma, hmm. and, and, and like a Ramada Inn, and like, and, and like I, it's just, it, I, I oh, fucking, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the idea, right? That like y- you can fund somebody like Hekmatya or Hakani or whoever else. Like the majority of the aid that Pakistan gave is to one form of Islamist or another, uh, but they're not the crazies. And the thing that I have like etched into my head is I, I I vividly remember this to the point where I'm not even sure if it's true anymore. It's just a thing that I remember is Reagan calling um, Hekmatya the George Washington of Afghanistan, and I I, I just. I mean, Knowing- which is hilarious to me because Gulbuddin Hekmatyar refused to meet Ronald Reagan when he was on one of these junkets in Washington because he said, and I quote, mm-hmm. why would I want to meet him? He's a Kafir. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 well, uh, when he's right, he's right. In addition to this, uh, one thing that's not mentioned in the film is that the Saudis did match aid to Afghanistan, but they also had discretion over where it went. They didn't supply weapons. What they did was they built up 
religious education facilities and other facilities like yeah. for refugees. Madrasas. Madrasas to, to, to create Taliban. To create the fucking Taliban. So, I mean, when you have a, a displaced refugee population, these people then went back to Afghanistan and things continued to get worse. And like, I don't, I don't want to sound like some kind of a, like a fucking apologist for, I don't want to sound like, oh, well, th- what they did was bad and therefore America should have done more. But like the fact that they didn't see it coming to me, I don't think that this film really addresses that in any meaningful way because this film basically says everything we did was good until it was bad. That's the bait and switch, I guess. Yeah. Well, pe- people don't people don't know that Taliban means students, like students at these madrasas. But like, also the the thing, the quote that it ends with from Charlie Wilson is that America fucked up the end game. Right. That's that's his thing. <laughs> America didn't intervene enough. <laughs> Yeah, and the idea is, at the very end, we see him, he's going around Congress because he's he's a good man, and he's trying to get, like, a measly million dollars for, like, building schools, and if you build schools, then there won't be crazies, because having having given some of the, like, most insane Salafists in the world a billion dollars, and no one has sent, ever been yeah. to a school has ever become a shooter, and 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 sent them and sent them a bunch of Saudi fail sons, uh, like a, some co- fucking construction heir who's probably never going to amount to anything, so he can go off and do oh, jihad, so and we'll not. never hear he from him again. Doesn't even know how to land a plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, th- that, that that's fine. Um, it, all of that will be offset if we just if we just build the schools. They will do liberal democracy in Afghanistan. It is the most mind-brained shit I can imagine. Also, and, as if a mm. million dollars would be anywhere near enough to achieve any of that. Well, it, and yeah. also, don't forget, it's what America then did just far later, and uh, yes. you know, now Afghanistan's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I want to close this out with uh, with this quote um, about this, this discussion between Charlie and Gust, where uh, Charlie says, come on, Gust, what else do you want from me? I turned five million into a billion for Afghanistan. I managed to get a Democratic Congress in lockstep behind a Republican president, and then an airplane flies loudly overhead. <laughs> it's the amazing. Wor- yeah, the thing is, right? But, but, Tom but, Hanks, but but, but hmm. the Democratic Congress in lockstep behind a Republican president for foreign intervention—that is the Aaron Sorkin dream. That's yeah, what Aaron Sorkin 2000- wants. This movie was made in two thousand and seven. Yeah. Uh, but like, also the thing is, right? Tom Hanks. It wasn't even talking. It was Tom Hanks who said that he didn't want the movie to end in nine eleven, and he vetoed it. And I think that instead of doing the thing where you don't show nine eleven, but you do show a scary plane noise, you should have done the opposite way around, where you show nine eleven, but you put the stirring Hans Zimmer strings over it, so you have the like <laughs> rising patriotic music as they fucking slam into the South. Are power. you suggesting that this would be? Taliban's the Taliban version of Aaron Sorkin would have done that. <laughs> no, show 9/11 but just with comically fast-paced oud music. <laughs> yeah, t- Taliban Aaron Sorkin is a tremendously funny bit. <laughs> yes. So before yes. we've gone for probably the longest we've ever gone. So we have, we have gone we have gone yeah. longer than the actual movie itself right at this <laughs> so, moment. Sh- yeah, Seamus, we before to, yeah. we end, I want to throw back to you for your final for final judgments. Okay. Um I okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit little little short short little anecdote here. Um, when I was growing up uh, as a Muslim convert as a teenager, um, I was, um, there was I, I was at a library uh, at a mosque in Portland, Oregon, 
And the, the library was not organized at all, but um, it was just kind of books strewn everywhere. And I remember seeing a book um, that was a, kind of, it was a pamphlet. It was a very, very old pamphlet. I, I probably had not been touched in, like, decades. And the book was called The Signs of Ar-Rahman in the Jihad of Afghanistan. It was, it was, it was a book describing the miracles that God had supposedly placed on the Mujahideen in Afghanistan, talking about how um, when they were in battle, their bullets didn't deplete. Um, when when uh, Mujahids were shot in the eye, uh, it didn't hurt their eyes. Um, when tanks rolled over them, nothing happened. Um, dogs would eat Soviet corpses, but not the corpse of the Mujahideen. Um, the, the way every single way in which the Afghan war is seen by the Mujahideen is not in any secular way. It's through the lens that this was a religious war, but not just a religious war. Since the rise of ISIS and Al-Qaeda, the war in Afghanistan is seen as one of the last times that Muslims around the world, Muslims around the world who are willing, who are willing to go on jihad, the last time they were united in such a way where there was no intra jihadi fighting. Everyone knew that it was Soviets the last were good war. They, they, yeah, mm. um, and the, to see, to to have to have researched that amount about this, to have seen so much, to have talked to people who who have, who have lived through this and fought fought in it, and to see Aaron Sorkin come away with not only the opinion that this war worked out great. It would have worked out great if we had just done some things differently. But to have come away with the idea that this war wasn't a religious war, that this war was could have been a secular one, um, that, it, that it wasn't flawed from the very beginning, to have this opinion in 2007, after 9-11, after the Taliban took over Afghanistan and then had to be... Um, thrown out of Afghanistan, basically. After all of this, to have come away with that opinion, I, I, Aaron Sorkin's level of idealism can never be measured by any human scientist. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, but the, it's but the important thing is that the guy was really to, horny. You know, mm. I, 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 God, I don't even think people, like people at the Heritage Foundation praise this film. I don't even think people at the Heritage Foundation would have, would have seen the Afghan war as rosy as Aaron Sorkin does. Aaron Sorkin mm. somehow I I I I'm in awe. I I I, well, I all, of, all of the like, war crimes go in one direction and it's the Soviets. Uh, and it's it's exactly. three Soviet guys who like uh just kill a horse and then they get they get shot down instantly and like everybody like just dies in a big fireball and nobody has to like go up to the wreckage and cut a guy's throat, which happened all the time. Like it's mm. it's totally like antiseptic and very very like weird and gross and it it just it it I uh, it made me so angry watching this movie. But hey, um, I'm gonna do but- I'm gonna do my final verdict because my mum's my mum's made dinner. Uh, my final, my final verdict is that uh, you know Charlie, Charlie Wilson, cool guy, does loads of cocaine, drinks, likes to fuck. I think all politicians should be Charlie Wilson. They just shouldn't get to make any decisions, but they should just be like entertaining us all by just like talking to the press about how much they drink. That would be awesome. I would love that. 
if we didn't have to have sanctimonious politicians, but just ones who were just drinking and whoring the whole just, time. That would you want that would every rule. politician to be the governor in the best little whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> so exactly, um, and also buy buy a t shirt. Send an email to the address to the, the link in the description. Yeah, yeah. oh, we'll, I'll, we'll put that in. But I think that's uh, that's a good as good a place as any actually to uh, to round this off. If we have no further, if we have nothing further from yeah, the panel. I, I I I have I have a commercial for my like thing of. Uh, uh, like uh, animal fat spread buffet restaurant, margarine bar, America. Uh, <laughs> um, and also, additionally, I just want to uh, thank Seamus for subjecting himself to this terrible film for us. I watched this. Okay, I w- last comment. I watched this film once in Beirut in preparation for this episode, which then got delayed for obvious reasons. Um, I watched it once again on the plane back. Uh, and during that time, I thought one of my family members had coronavirus, so I was panicked the entire time. Uh, they don't now, but... And then I watched it again last night. I live in this film now. This <laughs> film lives in me. I inhabit it, it inhabits me. I hate it, I hate it, I never want to see it again. Let I'm gonna, I'm gonna do brain surgery on myself to get this film out of my mind. What, what if what if the coronavirus is God punishing Tom Hanks for doing this oh, movie? God, oh god. Oh yeah. The, I don't I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> That's right. It could be uh, possible. And, and also to thank everyone for subscribing to the Patreon listening to this extra long by accident episode where we talked about a film Double again. Double bonus. Um and also to say yeah, buy a t-shirt. Uh stay safe out there if you're still working in an essential job. All solidarity to you, and especially stay safe. And uh, we'll see you on the free episode on Tuesday. Uh, Seamus, where can people find you online before we uh, finish up? Oh, oh, um, well, you can find me on Twitter at at Seamus underscore Malik. We'll link that. S-A-M-U-S underscore M-A-L-E-K. You can find all the articles that I've ever written on Seamus-Malekafzali.com, S-E-A-M-U-S-M-A-L-E-K-A-F-Z-A-L-I.com. Uh, other than that, I mean, yeah. th- thanks for listening. You listen to yeah. a podcast yeah. that's longer than the actual film itself. Uh, <laughs> and, and we're never, ever sick at sea. Nope, never been sick at sea, baby. Never been sick at sea. Yeah, with the, the Gilbert and Sullivan CIA, we've all been given the medal. We're all going. All of our parents are calling us for dinner because coronavirus has made everyone into teens again. Uh, our theme song is Here We Go by Ginseng. Check it out on Spotify. Check out Seamus on Twitter. Check out his writing. Check out Well, There's Your Problem and uh, 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 Hell of a Way to Die buy as well. Shirt. Yeah, um, and buy a shirt. And, yeah, buy a shirt. And uh, yeah, don't forget to uh, you know better better way to spend money than uh, giving a billion dollars to what would become Al Qaeda and not giving like an additional million to build the school that would have prevented them from becoming Al Qaeda, according to the moronic <laughs> lang- logic of Aaron Sorkin. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I think that's all for today. See ya. <laughs>